you gore fiends and horror hounds this is brett from dimension z joined as i am every week by greg of the dead how you doing dude good how you doing not bad and it's not just me we have a special guest i realized brett all the special guests so far have been people that were on the episodes i wasn't on but there's yeah. your hint if anyone listened to blood harvest welcome back p tiptoe through the window tiny tim returns so tiptoe through the tulips with pee i wrote down tiny tim impression guess and i had it at four minutes i did not have it in less than a minute Uh, I I am very impressed, P. Thank you for doing the Tiny Tim impression immediately. I was all excited because at the end I was going to have both of you guys do your dueling Tiny Tims to the Cry Little Sister song. I'm upset that I missed my chance. We can still do it. Yeah, we will. Don't worry. That's, that's everyone's motivation to stick around or duck out early depending on their opinions. <laughs> well, how have you been, P? I've been pretty good. Uh, I'm running off of being up for about like 29 hours now and fueled by about six cups of coffee because I don't know how normal humans sleep. I'll give you this. I've known you since we were kids and you were that way when we were like in fifth grade. Oh, yeah. I remember when, uh, you know, you would stop up and, like, I would be woken up at, like, 3 p.m. by, you know, you and uh, others pounding on my door, which, you know, I shouldn't be woken up by that because it's well into the day, but. <laughs> well, I have, I'm right there kind of with you sometimes because the other day I woke up at, like, 1 p.m. and it, like, it was, I think it was Saturday. And oh yeah, because I woke up randomly at like four a.m. and watched mis- an entire mystery science theater episode on Twitch, and then I slept until like one p.m. with Liz being like, "You need to get up today." Oh yeah, that's basically me every day. Also, in waking up, have to grab my sunglasses because uh, yo, know, the light coming in through the blinds just burns my eyes. Oh, I'm trying to get segways. Well done. Look at you, not missing a beat. <laughs> like you never even left. Perfect. Yeah, people are really strange. Oh, I love that. That's <laughs> such good use of music in this movie. It really is. So this is Throbbing with Horror, episode 44, The Lost Boys. We've been hyped on this one for a while, mainly because we knew it was a guest episode. But from 1987, directed by Joel Schumacher. <laughs> Holy shit, the Batman and Robin guy directed this. I saw that, and I was just like, holy shit, you gotta be kidding me. Like, this is bat nipples? Like... It went from this to bat nipples. I'm just shocked that, like, this is good. Yeah. Well, it shows you the decline of, like, from the 80s to the 90s, where how he was doing. Oh, yeah. Although, I do kind of like how it kind of uh, bookends itself, since, um, you know, Batman does play at least a minor plot point in Lost Boys. Oh, good pull. You're right. I never even caught that. Yeah, I was going to say, like, yeah, this is the only time, this is the um, second time I've seen this movie. So I forgot how, like, much I love the comic book tie-ins of stuff where, like, even when the Frog Brothers are trying to teach that dude about, like, 
like oh here's vampires he's like they're giving him comic books and he's like looking for a specific issue and whatnot were those supposed to be ripoffs of ec comics the old horror brand oh for sure i mean the art style was basically spot on okay i thought so i wasn't paused i mean it might have even been a real one but i don't think so but it looked just like it i also gotta say though i take personal offense by the uh line of um you know batman 14 being so rare that there are only five in existence yeah you know what i won't lie Pete. i did a quick ebay search when i was watching this movie they're <laughs> up there it's a rare because it's super old but there's it's not only five in existence prices and Corey Haim has four of them yeah, yeah. I'm just picturing him being like a Seto Kaiba type of just buying it and then just burning it in front of the <laughs> store owner. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, remember like when like the PS3 was coming out and whatnot and there was everyone's waiting in line and there was a guy that would like he, he was on YouTube and he would go in and buy the PS3 and smash it in front of the line in front of everyone with a sledgehammer. I wish I had the disposable income to just be that guy. (laughs) I like to say if I had, like, fuck you money, oh, I'd buy all the people a PS3. And maybe I still do that, but not before pulling something like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you do the Smash first, even if you did buy everybody else the PS3s, they're probably going to try to tar and feather you first. True. So, I gotta say, do either of you two get like nauseous or seasick or not well with heights i definitely do for like those types of bungee type coasters brett i was gonna say i hate heights so goddamn much so sometimes so much that i can't look out like because my podcast room is on the second floor of our house and sometimes I can't look out the window because I'll notice how high up I am and I'll be like, no, I'm going to close <laughs> the window again. Well, anyway, I bring this up because the opening like shots, aerial shots, are the worst helicopter movie shots that I can say. And I'm not afraid of heights and they make me nauseous. Yeah, they're very swingy all around. Like, yeah, it's it, well, it disorients you for sure. Oh, yeah. Like it's I we watched Cue the Wing Serpent, Brett. And they had better aerial shots than the opening to this, like, pretty big-budget Schumacher vampire flick. That Larry Cohen did better than Joel Schumacher. Fuck, fuck you, bat nipples. Cue the winged <laughs> serpent forever. The stuff! <laughs> I still never saw it. You've never seen the stuff? You, you say I on... also have not. Oh, the oh, stuff good. is so good. It's got Michael Moriarty back. You know, like, the uh, anti-hero from Q, the main dude? Yeah. Yeah, it's him back again, but now he's like a P.I., but he's the exact same character. One day I'll watch it. Don't worry, one day. Oh, one day I'll make you watch it for this show. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, Mom and two sons. Oh, for those who don't know what we do, we kind of beat for beat the movie, and then we pull off when there's things worth talking about. So, there you go. Either of you two, Brett, you know the drill. P, f- feel free to pull me off any moment you like. Oh, gladly. I don't know where I, came I am. came out really wrong. Holy shit. But yeah, feel free. I mean, whatever. The mom and two sons are moving in with their grandpa in Santa Carla. Um, Santa Carla is a real place, correct? Yeah. Is it really like the murder capital of the world? Because I would not guess Santa Carla for this. I did not look it up, so I cannot confirm nor deny. But, I mean, apparently it's a haven for vampires. 
according to this movie. I feel like if you're the mayor of Santa Carla and this movie comes out, and even if they're just talking about the vampires and shit, you're like, dude, what the fuck? You're going to kill our tourism. Why are you doing this? We can't close the beach. It's the 4th of July. <laughs> Counterpoint, though, it would totally raise tourism levels for a certain demographic of people. Oh, 100%. You tell me that, like, last podcast on the left wouldn't be having their next live show there? Oh, yeah. Or there'd be, like, a ton of, like, just uh, Twilight fans running there with their necks open, be like, me next, me next. <laughs> Wait, so, do Twilight um, fans even still exist? Oh, they have oh, to, yeah. but they're, like, they're, like, our age now, where it's just sad. Well, they Which were always is... our age, but we're just old now. Yeah, we're, we're, I'm, that's coming from a horror fan of this age, and I'm still this into it. But yeah, they're just sad people. <laughs> well, anyway, this is that music we kind of briefly touched on. They're playing People Are Strange by the Doors over the, like, you know, those scene establishing shots where you're just showing, like, your area. But it's, I gotta say, like, the punk metalhead goth ratio in this beach town is awesome, and I want to live there. I gotta bring this up, though. They do not know how to listen to music. They're so-called punk goths in the 80s, but they're listening to, like, shit that's not even as hardcore as hair metal. What were they listening to? I believe. Oh, that part, yeah. I, I just meant the, the intro, yeah. I mean, and there were also the uh, the group of, you know, surfer bros listening to uh, the Run DMC cover of Walk This Way. <laughs> I was gonna, that's what I was just going to bring up, is like, there's a guy with a mohawk, they all look like punks, and they're listening to fucking Aerosmith. It's like, fuck you, you're not fucking punk. Okay, so <laughs> I watch every single film with subtitles just so I can kind of take in the dialogue a little more, and those characters in the subs are deadass just called Surf Nazis. I caught that in the credits, too. I'm glad you brought that up. Nothing about them scream Nazi to me. Dorks, yes. But, like, nothing about these dudes stomping around to Aerosmith and run DMC, mind you, yeah. scream Nazi to me. Well, surf right? Nazis must die, so. I mean, it does make kind of sense, though, because Nazis are not known for their brains. I remember being in high school with one of the biggest racists who loved Jimi Hendrix. Oh wow. yeah, I we went to the same school. I think I know who you're referring to. Is that, how is how do you rationalize that in your own mind? <laughs> I don't know. Well, he never <laughs> saw a picture of Hendrix, and oh, then shit. when he finally saw he was black, it was kind of like you could hear his brain do the Windows shutdown noise. He's like, <laughs> but but me hate, but me like. I don't know. <laughs> So I'm just going to picture that's exactly what would happen if somebody just brought in the album cover to the um, track that these uh, surf Nazis are listening to and they just see Run DMC on the cover. <laughs> this is the most hardcore punk we could find. It's Aerosmith and Run DMC. Fuck the soccer circle jerks or, you know, whatever else is going on in like awesome like West Coast punk right now, like in the 80s. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's like the perfect bass scene punk time, and they're just, fuck it, whatever. The fucking <laughs> anyway. Dead Kennedys are still playing fucking live shows. Fuck you. <laughs> I know. I'm mad now. <laughs> <laughs> so why, when they get to Grandpa's house, uh, P, I'll throw this one to you first, is he playing dead on the porch? 
I don't know. The grandpa is my favorite character, though, in this entire film. I don't I don't understand him at all. Cause, and I don't think they knew what kind of character they wanted to invent for him. Like, first he's playing dead and staying up like, oh, he's kind of creepy and weird. And then he's just like, oh, this is the old guy whose house you're living moving into. He's going to be real strict where he's talking about rules. And then he's just weird horny grandpa. And then he's wise <laughs> yeah. old man who's known all along. They took, like, every grandpa trope and rolled it into one. And can we just talk about how, uh, you know, his idea of a perfect gift for uh, his grandson is this fucking terrifying looking stuffed beaver. Dude, he keeps making more. He's like, there's plenty more where that came from. He's like, I overheard you uh, talking about beavers in your dream. And so here's a beaver. And he's like, not this kind, Grandpa. Wah, wah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought I missed something for a minute. I'm like, wait, I've seen this a bunch of times. I do not recall this. And then I got gotcha. you. Well, and I love there's the trope where he keeps like giving him more and more stuffed things like in middle of the night while he's sleeping. <laughs> oh, yeah. And also whenever he Grandpa goes on hot dates. Let's go and give this girl that I'm dating a stuffed dog. The dog was fucking weird. Oh, it's yeah. a stuffed dog from Puppet Master. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it might be the same dog. It looks a lot alike. I know. I, I was joking, but it legit might be. But yeah, they get there and Grandpa's just weird. But yeah, he's weird. He's going over the whole no touching, all that rules. And then the line, when you read the TV guide, you don't need a TV. You know, typical late 80s kids. They don't have cable. Oh, we can't watch MTV. I, I'm just still trying to parse that sentence, though. If you have the TV guide, you don't need a TV. No, that just tells you what shows are on. You don't know the plots of what's on TV by just reading the damn TV guide graphs. If you want to get super technical, he kind of has a point. Like, he could be at the water cooler work the next day. Hey, did you catch Law and Order last night? Yeah, I saw it. He's not lying. He saw it in the TV guide. I saw the words on paper. Yeah, see? I know of its existence. I like to think he waits until the time the show is on, and then he just reads the show name over and over <laughs> again for the entire half an hour. Just he just gets himself. hella baked and just closes his eyes and just visualizes whatever comes to mind based on the title. And that's just how TV is for him. Hell yeah. Quantum Leap. I wonder what that would be about. Let's imagine. By the way, they're acting like this is a, such a struggle to move here. But this town is awesome if you're a teenager. You're right by the pier. There's this amazing concert with a sexy saxophone pro wrestler looking man. It's great. Oh, I, I am convinced that Gangrel from WWF uh, just took his entire shtick, not just from Vampire the Masquerade, but specifically Sexy Saxman as well. Fuck, I'm so glad you were able to put that into a joke, because in my head I'm like, he looks like Gangrel, but I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> it's the only thing that was in my mind. Apparently this dude was, like, a real, like, backup player for, like, I think it was Whitney Houston, but I could be wrong, but, like, real famous people, and he's most famous, I saw an interview with him, like, 20 years later, where he's like, no, the thing I'm most known for is a real quick moment in Lost Boys, I've had this incredible career, but that's what everyone wants to talk to me about. So much so that he still plays that character, like, live at bars, where, like, he'll be, like, the sexy sax man from Lost Boys is that, like, the Bolorama and whatever, where he's still playing saxophone. There's no way all three of us wouldn't go, though, if he was, like, in our town. You know we would all be there. 
Oh fuck! I yeah. I would be one thousand percent down. I mean, if he ever comes to Steel City Con or anything, I am there, no questions asked. I'm taking a jar and I'm like, can I collect some of your sweat to put on my desk? <laughs> By the way, so this movie came out in 1987, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. this is the end of hair metal. As we said, the punk scene's booming. Grunge is right around the corner. It's a really interesting time for music. Like, what kids in the late 80s are rocking out on the beach where there's open b- barrels of fire and stuff? It's a cool fucking time to the saxophone I still believe song. Yeah, it's so weird. Like, and also, he looks like what Glenn Danzig thinks he looks like. Where he's super <laughs> ripped. He has the tiny little pants. You're not wrong. <laughs> the mom walks into a video store that's on the pier. Holy shit, I miss this age. And but so does our whole vampire crew at the same time. The owner's like, I told you not to come in here anymore. The owner's name is Max to the vampire kids, not the mom to the vampires and he offers the mom a job on the spot this has never happened to me in my life where i've walked into a store and got offered a job uh absolutely not i mean the most you can hope for is that there's a help wanted sign outside and you ask about it and they're like oh yeah we actually just do all that online now just fucking go to our website and apply exactly um there's this cute girl that michael oh our kids who moved with the mom michael Main character, older one, no, Sam, you, younger one, Corey Hayes. You got to say it right, Greg. Michael. Oh, fuck. How many times do we hear that? Oh, my God. They say their names over and over again so goddamn much. You know what? I'm sure it's out there. I would actually say that at least 15% of the dialogue is dramatically saying a character's name. Okay. Star! Guys, get this. Michael is called upon a whopping 114 times. Jesus. No shit. Yes. That's what, I've only ever seen this movie one other time before watching it this time. And what I remember most is like, okay, sexy sax man and Michael. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Michael and Sam, they're the boys. Michael is chasing after this cute girl he saw at the sexy sax man concert. By the way, no one's denying that Star is cute. But I'm not leaving that awesome concert. Uh, me either. And if there's one thing you can learn, especially from this movie, is the moral of the story here is if you see a cute alt girl who just offers to pierce your ears for free, don't do it, man, because she's just going to be part of a fucking vampire clique. Yeah, that's actually a pretty good moral. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can honestly apply that in real life, too. Yeah, 100%. We get our scene we also referenced at the beginning with Sam going into the comic book store. This comic book store, before we even get into anything, what the fuck is it? Either of you two, please help me out. Because what's it attached to? What what the hell? It's run by children? I'm just going to guess that it's like a little like boardwalk kiosk store. Like if you've ever been to like fucking uh, Wildwood, New Jersey or something. Okay, but why is the back like what looks to be... uh? underground dungeon venue with no door separation where these hooligans just grab comics and run. Well, I didn't say that they're great businessmen. (laughs) True. (laughs) You see the parents, like, passed out the entire time right beside the television? (laughs) 
Oh, I never, I didn't even notice the parents. So it's oh, yeah, not the, entirely run by the Frog Brothers. Oh yeah, the entire time they the parents are there, but they're just passed out on each other beside the television, while the Frog Brothers are just like Corey Feldman is just so great in this movie. Oh, this Brett, you won't know this as much as P. You might be able to pick up on this. You're aware that in the first Ninja Turtles movie, Corey Feldman was Donatello's voice, right? Oh yeah. No. But anyway, this is like the closest live action Corey Feldman I've ever seen to doing the Donatello voice. You are 100% spot on, and I could not unhear that once I made the connection. I know, it, it's it's like Donatello the entire time hunting vampires. Um, but Sam goes, he's looking for Batman 14. And these are terrible comic book store employees, because if I walk into a store, I'm like, I'm looking for whatever, like a key issue. Do you guys have it? You don't like jump down and get confrontational that's a very serious book what the fuck does that even mean all three of us have right. been comic book collectors i've never had this experience also um i'm going to agree with uh you know sam's criticism of the way that the store books are laid out but not in the same way that he did like he's saying thank you you can't, you can't put superman 80s the superman 80s with the superman 400s because he doesn't even know what red kryptonite is yet that is not the point you don't put 80 with 400 because you are supposed to align these things chronologically and in the fucking order with the number on the front of the book Yes. Well, also, also, do bags and boards not exist yet? They do, but that's they that's remember did. that's even in mall rats though. Like these should be in bags and boards. We've all been to those junky stores like that. Yeah, I mean, this is a boardwalk store. I'm convinced. I also love how like like some for some reason they have like certain issues hanging from strings. Oh yeah, that has got to be poor for like actually preserving those books heaven help anybody who buys it if like brian johnson from tell him steve dave was still like running the secret stash when he was like stapling action figures to the wall and like hanging comic books off of like fishing nets as the catch of the day shit <laughs> i could see it but Corey feldman gives him the vampire comic that we talked about earlier he's like read up on this i be i would never walk into this establishment again this is the worst customer service I've ever... He goes, I don't like horror comics. Read it! Like, that's the pushiest employee I've ever seen. I mean, at least he gave... Did he give it for free? I can't quite remember. If he made him pay for it, that is either genius marketing or the number one way to lose a regular customer. And I can't tell which. I mean, it's a boardwalk comic book store. You're probably not going to have any regulars, so just push it on all the tourists that come in. Right, and just, hey, vampires are big in this town. We're a vampire town. We're proud of it. Join the heritage. <laughs> um, so Michael, we say, was chasing down, we don't know her name yet, but the girl, and he sees her take off with all the other vampires. Again, he doesn't know they're vampires, just weird goth kids led by Jack Bauer from 24, and <laughs> they all leave. Yeah, these guys have make friends so, like, quickly. Like, immediately, both of them have met, like, several people that they're friends with. I lived in Altoona for, like, two or three years before I even met Greg. You know, like... I will still say, though, that that kind of checks out for a beach town. Yeah, like, you know, the, that is true. 
Yeah, I've made friends whenever I was on like summer vacations when I was a teen. Super easy. I would never talk to him again after the vacation. But like while there, we were tight. Yeah, yeah that, I never had that, that is experience weird, like, like on a summer vacation where you make make like a summer friend like when you're at the beach or something. Usually I was like either A, I'm way too hot and I want to go back to the camper or B, I just want to go to the arcade and play Ms. Pac-Man. Yes. <laughs> Take me to um, the t-shirt uh, shop so I can buy Don Vito t-shirts. Oh, I remember those. So Mentioning though uh, arcades, just to go on a kind of tangent here, did any of you ever go to like swimming pools that had like the shittiest arcade machines in them like all the not time the when pool, we were kids obviously. yeah all like, the time the one that i went to it was local had an elvira pinball machine which huh. was great but the problem was that since it's a pool you know water and electricity don't mix and the cable on that was so poorly grounded and the chassis was all metal Every single time I played it, it shocked my nipples. <laughs> anyway, fun story on your fun story, P. I know what they did with that pinball machine. Uh, what did they do with that pinball machine? It's because it's a company that rents them out to different places in our area. They restored it and moved it to Pappy's for a while, the pizza place. Oh, snap. It was in Pappy's at some time. Yep, it's the same one. I wonder if it still shocks the nipples. No, it doesn't anymore. But anyway... That's just like, God damn it. He's like, I was about to purchase that. He's like, that's a great memory. <laughs> now, how am I supposed to get off? It was the only way I could come. That's the last time he came. <laughs> how long do you think we are on this movie? About 20 minutes oh, yet? God. Not very far. Okay, but still, we're at least 15 minutes, I'd say, into the movie, right? Yeah, we were basically, we practically just got to the establishing shot of the okay. biker vampire gang. So, well, good, not cause... far. Right after this, there's a couple in a car, and I don't want to say making out because it's an awkward dynamic. The woman just wants to read their stack of comics all through the back, and the guy's trying to get it on, and unseen, but the aerial shot of the vampires rip the hood off the car and take them away. I believe it's fair that I counted both of these as deaths. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. I would say those are deaths. <laughs> okay. So those were our first two of the movie, finally, about 15 minutes in. Next day, Sam goes back to the terrible comic book store, and the Frog Brothers tell Sam they're vampire hunters. This is a front. And Sam, rightfully so, doesn't believe them. Yeah, I would just think that, like, these kids are just taking the piss out of me. I mean, they're young kids. Like, the oldest one is probably 13 at most. I'm supposed to believe they're vampire hunter extraordinaires. Yeah, you're right. It's they're always like cosplaying it up. They're always in the camo with the why are they wearing berets? Like I don't get it. Right, Corey Feldman looks like he's trying so hard to be Snake Plissken from Escape from New York, and it's <laughs> kind of adorable. Oh, one hundred percent, I could see that. It is it's like a little kid in a Halloween costume. Yeah, it's like I just want to pinch his cheeks and be like, "Ah, oh, you did such a good job there, buddy." <laughs> Michael runs into the girl again. We finally get our name Star. And this is like you said, P, which oddly comes into play later. He's watching a girl get her ear pierced and she's like, don't do it there. It's a ripoff. I can do it for you if you want. Michael doesn't have his ears pierced, but that's all. He asked her, do you want to go get a bite to eat? 
I don't think they can eat regular food, but that comes into question again later. Oh, yeah. She goes with them, but then the other vampires show up, and she goes with Jack Bauer. That's his name from 24, right? Or am I saying the wrong reference the whole time? Uh, yeah, that's Jack Bauer. Okay. But, uh, Keith so, Sutherland? Yes, David. Keeper Sutherland. Who also then did uh, Solid Snake's voice in Metal Gear Solid 5. Yes, he did. And they tell Michael to follow them. And then we get this, like, they're riding so fast down the beach. Like, I don't, I know they're really not, but their faces are like doing that thing from the wind, <laughs> which is fucking insane. And they basically play chicken with a cliff. They stop at the end and you guys know what happens. Michael follows them. They go to the hangout and that's what happens. Well, I like the right. backstory of like, yeah, this used to be like an awesome hotel that then there was like this earthquake like a hundred years ago or whatever, and it fell like into the crack. Oh, it fucking looks awesome, but I gotta say, this would be a terrible vampire hideout because you know hipsters are going there every weekend. Oh, I'm going there to smoke weed for sure. <laughs> yes. I mean, if hip- if that's your vampire hideout and hipsters are going in there to you know, just you know, get high, I mean... You have a food supply walking right into your den at all times. Yeah, you're right. And nobody is going to miss the hipster kid. If the hipster the kid hip- walks in and doesn't come back out, people will just be like, oh, thank God he finally went home. The hipster kids are just like, but they taste too much like vape and like coffee. Like, <laughs> <laughs> By the way, the, is Schumacher or one of the actors, what's up with the Jim Morrison obsession? Because there's a big painting yeah. of him hanging in there. Was he a vampire? Well, that would be funny if like they tried to do that. But yeah, the big giant picture of Jim Morrison, the song. Um, did you notice the Monsters Go Home poster in the background? Yes, I did. Yeah, I saw we that. Another reference to that later. Yeah, but yeah. So what they're eating here? <laughs> like, because for a moment they smoke a joint together. So I think, oh, peace has been made. But David is still being a dick to Michael. He offers him Chinese food, which. We see is rice, correct? Yeah. Oh, we absolutely see it's rice. And he's like, how do you like your maggots? And he's like pulsing maggots. Michael spits it out. And then like, the same thing happens with like Lomain where he thinks it's worms as David's eating. What is going on with this fucking food scene? So like in some sort of lore, vampires can, you know, release pheromones that can kind of enchant people or hypnotize them so it's basically just hypnotizing him to where he thinks his food is bugs just fucking with him okay i i'll go with that i yeah because i honestly did have like a big question about like this movie fucks with vampire lore a lot like there are certain vampire movies where if they're like near food they basically throw up it seems and these guys are eating noodles I, that's yeah. always tricky, like, what lore are you going off? Some, it's like, well, they can eat food. It's, it does nothing for them. It's like eating dirt. So, like, if they need to pretend. I've seen, you know, there's a billion different versions. Right. I mean, I think it's going mostly on Vampire the Masquerade rules, which you can eat regular food. It just does nothing for you. Okay. Fair. So, but one other question with the vampires that one of you two can hopefully answer. Who is Star to David? It almost seems like... If this is just me looking from the outside in because I've only seen this a couple times, so I don't know this movie like very well. But it almost seems like David was basically like, "Oh, look, there's a pretty lady. Let's like 
make her part of our coven. But it also doesn't make sense because then, like, why did they take the little kid in? P, your thoughts? As for why they take the little kid in, I oh, have the- no idea. <laughs> um, <laughs> as for Star... I think it's again going with Vampire of the Masquerade rules, where like if David is the one who turns her, she'll be immediately loyal to David. So I think he just wanted to get his undead dick wet. The first time I saw it, I thought it was his sister, especially with the whole soundtrack to this movie. And that's why they never seem like sexual to each other. She's like still flirting with Michael and everything. I have no idea though. So it's like Bella Lugosi and his brides. I wouldn't yeah. necessarily find them related just because why would she still be, uh, you know, a half a vampire then? Uh, fair. Yeah, I don't know. Or, it's like, I, I, I'm stuck in my coffin, step vampire. Will you help me <laughs> out? <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, my God. Well, after you giving him maggot rice, they give him this great bedazzled bottle of... <laughs> blood i don't know what they tell who it is like be one of us and he drinks they it. literally tell him it's blood and then he uh, do goes, they tell him it's blood yeah. yeah and then he goes no it's not give that to me and takes a huge swig which is why <laughs> later in the movie where he's like i can't believe david made me drink his blood it's like what the fuck dude he flat out told you it was his blood <laughs> But that's right after he made him eat maggots and worms and like made him like think it was that. So I almost look at it as like he's like at this point like, oh, they're just fucking with me. <laughs> yeah, I'll drink your quote unquote blood. This right, tastes like iron. I mean, it also is with the uh, with Star going, no, don't. So, yo, know, that might have been a little bit of a teensy clue that maybe they're not fucking with him this time or they're making him drink something he ought not. What's worse than blood if you tell him it's blood is the cover? <laughs> I have no oh, idea. Shit. But anyway, this is where we get our first cry little sister when he's kind of in his weird vampire drug haze afterwards. Um, we get the bridge jumping scene. This is the weirdest fraternal hazing. I don't get it. But they're all hanging there like, jump, Michael! Jump, Michael! Well, yeah, they're not, they don't seem very fun to hang out with. They just keep running around from location to location. I'm like, can we just chill out for a little bit? Like, maybe go back to that video store. Like, we can rent street trash and just, like, chill out tonight. Eat our Chinese and don't make me think it's bugs and watch movies. So how do you think he got home? Because after, like, you know, jumping off of the bridge and everything fade to black and then fade into him being passed out on his bed i think it was like drunken stupor like i think he made it home like out of like in a haze like a blackout i agree this almost reminds me of coming home from the anvil like years ago when i'd be like oh shit the last thing i remember was like greg's band was on and now i'm in bed what happened between there i have no idea but now i'm home (laughs) Yeah, I think it was more along those lines. Also would explain why Sam thinks that he's just coked out. Yeah, but he he's laying in bed. By the way, earring, that was the... <laughs> he yeah. apparently pierced his ears after he turns into a vampire because he has to fit in with them. And he also starts using some hairspray and leather jackets. 
Right. And I absolutely love how later on they establish that vampires are not fully invisible in the mirror, but they just turn transparent because there is no way that any of those guys could have their hair like that if they had no reflection whatsoever. And I was going to call that a major plot point or a plot hole if they just had it the traditional you can't have any reflection. It's just like, it's like they need to do the buddy system if like they didn't have the reflection. So it's like, David, come over here and help me do my hair real quick. Tell me when it's perfect. (laughs) Maybe that's why so many vampires slick their hair back. It's like the one you really don't need a mirror for. Yeah. Michael, we're going to do your hair now. (laughs) (laughs) Sam's in the bath that night because Michael's staying home because their mom has a date with her new boss, which is kind of creepy, predatory. Here's a job. Let's go on a date. But whatever. Um, Sam is in the bath having a grand old fucking time for whatever age he's supposed to be. He is a total dweeb. He's having a concert for himself in the bath. No, not just for himself. The dog is there. (laughs) Oh, right. Best boy Nanook is there. This is, this reminds the, but he definitely seems too old to be doing this. Like, I remember, like, having fun and like uh, my own concert and like the bathtub when I was like in elementary school, when I was listening to like my Devo cassette, but I was also like six. Right. Yeah. Like I don't think I've had a bathtub sing along since, um, yeah, probably first grade. He's giving himself like the bubble bath beard and everything. He's having way too much fun in here. I've definitely had a bathtub like drunken sing along within the last month. I, I, I hope you were doing this whole thing, like, with the bubble bath and everything. Oh, yeah, you might as well. No, I take showers. But you do the thing of, like, you're drunk, but you're like, I need a shower. Let's put on some music. And then all of a sudden, you're, like, moshing alone in the bathtub with, like, soap all over yourself. You don't do that? (laughs) I mean, it's happened. I believe. (laughs) You got to do the sexy sax man dance during the entire shower. Michael's about to attack Sam and the dog saves him and he comes downstairs like the dog bit me that's when P the scene you just referenced Mike was no reflection Sam locks himself in his room and calls the frog brothers immediately because who's going to save me yes the two comic book store children who run around in camo well I love their like our numbers in the back of the comic book if you need it (laughs) yeah why would they I mean I guess it worked out but so why does Michael just get sucked out of the window? <laughs> that because <laughs> I don't, I don't know. quite know. Is that something in vampire lore? Because I know quite a bit about vampires, but I don't quite remember them ending up being the same weight as paper when it's a blustery day and having to hold on to the side of windows to not just blow out into oblivion. Well, I almost see it as like vampires can fly in, in a way. So it's almost like he's starting to get powers, but he can't control them yet, maybe? Oh, so this is like the comical scene in every Spider-Man reboot where he first gets his powers and is causing havoc. He wakes up on the wall, then he jerks off and, like, comes webs, that part? Yeah, exactly. Am I watching the right Spider-Man movie, or is that different? For sure. Yeah. It was Tobey Maguire. But they call the Frog Brothers, he's floating out the window, and right then the mom calls, and she hears all the commotion of Michael being like, Sam, let me in! <laughs> Things breaking. He's gonna kill me! He's gonna kill me! Come home 
right now. <laughs> Sorry, mom. I was just reading a really scary comic and I got really scared and I needed my mommy to come home. The worst excuse in the fucking world. What the fuck? Like, I read a scary vampire comic. Mommy, can I sleep in your bed? I'm only like 16. Like, <laughs> I yeah, mean, at like... least come up with an excuse of like, oh, Michael was chasing me around with the uh, terrifying beaver taxidermy project that grandpa <laughs> gave me. That would have been a better, more solid cover-up, and the mom probably wouldn't have been, oh, that makes sense. Or be like, Nanook was, like, going crazy, like, the dog's going crazy, you know, or something. Yeah, because, like, he could even be like, look at Michael's hand, Nanook, like, bit it, and just started going crazy. Okay, let me ask Michael. Michael, (laughs) can you come downstairs? Mom wants to see your hand. Oh my god. He blames all the horror comic. And then Max goes back home and all the vampires are outside his house, like, driving around and doing their vampire thing, I guess. Uh, Michael goes back and, like we said, is all like, what was in that bottle? What did they do? Yelling at Star. Because Star is the only one who, I guess, doesn't go flying around with the rest. And she tells him exactly it. And then we get... So this movie's rated R, right, guys? Yeah. Um, I believe so. I, I'm like... Almost 100% sure. Yeah, it's rated R. So why do we have the most PG-13 sex scene in the world? And I don't mean, yeah. like, why aren't they showing boobs? I mean, like, this is a straight-up PG-13 sex scene, like, where it's, like, the soft camera fades just to different sensual positions to some music, and that's it. Do you know what sex scene it reminded me of was the sex the room? scene from The Room? Yep. Yes. But, like, and 100%. in the same way of it being in The Room... What was the point of the sex scene? It's like right after telling him, you're a vampire, you're going to have to feed on blood. I'm so sorry. Your life is ruined. We're both irredeemable monsters. Let's make out and fuck. Well, at that point, why not? (laughs) I I mean, true, but I didn't even really see much chemistry between the two. It just seemed like we barely knew each other. You saw me freak out eating these uh, pretend maggots from rice and thinking that noodles were worms and then drinking someone's blood like a chump. And now you want to bone me. I guess you pierced my ear. They had a moment at the Sexy Saxman concert and she pierced his ear. Have they even said ten words to each other? Maybe ten. Maybe. Including not, not more than thirty, but that's her saying Michael at least eight times. Well, no, she did give the little exposition right before this, so I guess yeah, they yeah. they've had a full conversation. It's been less than a hundred words, though. Yes, not enough for a podcast. You tell me, I'm the recent undead. I'm not horny anymore. I don't give a shit about your flowy white dress and your pretty hair. Fuck off! Like, how do I not do this? <laughs> kill the head ask there's these two children that run a comic book store and their parents are asleep ask them they'll know they know everything they kill a couple vampires in this goddamn movie and they're like like you said they're like 13 fucking years old (laughs) and they know exactly how to do like they were freaked out a little with the first one but it didn't take them long to just start yeeting vampires off this mortal coil Uh, 100 (laughs) percent Um, what we get next? Michael comes home and they have this little sit-down talk, him and his mom, that goes nowhere. Then the mom goes... Oh, go ahead. This just brings me to another point. Sam's wardrobe in this movie. My god. Because this was the scene where, like, 
He's wearing this bathrobe that just has all these, like, happy stick figure people holding hands. Even for the 80s, what kid is wearing this? <laughs> Sam is a fun character, and I can't put my finger on how fucking weird he is, but I love him. Right, and the scene after that, I made a point to write down all his outfits after a point because they were just standing out so much. <laughs> this this is a, uh, a young boy who is wearing a shirt that says, Born to Shop. <laughs> oh, I also have to, we constantly um, talk about on the show, and I want to say, hey, number one, uh, P, to your thing about his wardrobe, it looks like Stranger Things, how they're trying to do the 80s, so they go way over the top sometimes. That's what it kind of looks like a little bit. But this I was mean, the 80s! Yeah, yeah like, they're tr- you it's like just... modern day, uh, trying to look like the 80s. <laughs> like, it's it's so <laughs> bright and, like, weird. It's like how we think the 80s were with not experiencing the 80s, but somehow it actually genuinely being from the 80s, and it's baffling. This kid makes no sense. Also, this kid has an amazing, ginormous headshot of Molly Ringwald on his wall, and I would be like, because I, as you uh, podcast people know my wife's a redhead i love redheads molly ringwald is one of the first redheads i remember so she he, i saw that and i was like oh wow but then he also in the corner has like this picture i don't know who the guy is but he's like lifting up his shirt i'm convinced that sam has to at least be by yeah i would yeah, not I, put I'm it past him it. because that was a sexy guy poster it was a guy being sexy in like blue jeans in the corner. <laughs> now, what would make this movie just achieve peak gold status, though, is if the uh, sexy poster he had was of Sexy Saxman. Oh, my God. And that's the reason he was he's like pushing his mom to move to this town because he knows Sexy <laughs> Saxman lives there. He's just like, <laughs> I want to see him sweat. <laughs> I want to be in the front row. I want him to sweat on me while gyrating and playing that sax. Please, Just covered mom. in chains and like amazing purple pants. And it's like, I promise that I will never stain my best born to shop shirt again. Yeah, I, I promise, mom. Please text take me to the sexy sweaty man. <laughs> I, I this is my new head cannon. I know it's not real, but this is it. Yes. It's all his oh. fault. It's all Sam's fault. He's lusting over the saxophone. <laughs> Wait, lusting over the saxophone or the man playing it both. or both? Both. both. He is, number one, he loves sexy, sweaty men. His second fetish is saxophones. So he found this man and he was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> I go there there is a We're going to be here for an hour. No, more sexy sax man. <laughs> I believe. So they go to take a bottle of wine to apologize to Max, but Max's dog chases her out all scary-like and breaks through the fucking fence like a yeah. monster. So um, when they when he was reading in the comic about vampires having, like, hellhound familiars, me knowing a bit about vampire lore and also seeing Thorn around Max, the first time I saw this movie, was I alone in just thinking that David shapeshifted into a dog? Because, yeah, Bella does that in the original Dracula. He turns into a wolf. Yeah, like, that's an established thing for vampires, and you gotta admit that Thorn looks like... 
a dog version of David. You're and not David wrong, Thorne actually. Would be a badass vampire name. Yeah. Because David has that like bleached blonde, like shock white hair almost. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's like perfect. Oh, that would have been cool. God damn it. P, P you're writing better stories than yeah, what are you the doing, actual P? movie. <laughs> it's a shame. I don't want to improve on a movie I love so much. I believe. <laughs> Sam is at the Frog Brothers again, and I don't know how they come to this conclusion, because this should have been a twist, but they give it away, because this would have been a perfect twist and then made sense, because they already laid the clues out, but they come to the conclusion that Max is the head vampire. Right. I don't know how, because it makes no sense. But I also enjoy where, like, they give them, like, garlic instead of Parmesan cheese, and, like... Oh, that... the... Yeah, it's great, the testing scene. Yeah, it's so funny, because it does seem like a, like, boy trying to keep his mom from dating a new guy kind of thing. But it's, they're like, no, we're trying to test if he's a fucking vampire. But I also enjoy that, like, garlic is, like, a main trope with vampires. Like, if you ask someone, like, okay, what do you know about vampires? Like, the regular person, they'd be like, mirrors and garlic and the cross, you know, something like that. The fact that yeah. they took garlic out of the situation, even later on, they're like, uh, when they fill the bathtub with holy water and like garlic, and the vampire sees it, he's like, oh, garlic doesn't do anything. Yeah, I think they just don't like it. That's pretty much all it is. Like, you put me around like a bunch of tomatoes and stuff that I don't like, and I'll be like, oh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't like it, but I'm not like, I'm not bursting into flame about it. Yeah. I mean, if you force feed me gnocchi, I probably will burst into flames because that stuff looks and tastes like grub worms. What oh, is I that? love gnocchi. It's Italian, like dough balls. I love it. Oh, okay. I don't really like dough. I mean, of course you would love it. Your mom is the one who introduced me to the food, <laughs> and I still shudder at thinking of eating those again. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so that is our next scene anyway, is the dinner where Sam invites the Frog Brothers over, and it's the mom, Max, Sam, and them, and they give them, like, they spill holy water on them, and then, like, does it burn? No, it's it's cold! They force-feed him garlic by tricking him, they do all the stuff, and I love when they turn the lights out, and they shuffle a giant mirror right in front of his face, <laughs> yeah, like turn the light back. It's a giant close-up of him. I don't know why that makes me laugh so hard every time. I also love his reaction. He's like, oh! Like... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if after being in total darkness and the lights come on and I'm face-to-face with myself, I would also jump and be terrified. Next, we get that whole, like, what we were talking about with the what we only know because of credits and subtitles, the surf Nazis dancing around to run DMC and Aerosmith. (laughs) And Michael's joined up with the other vampires, and they're going to attack these people. One, the surf Nazi's good for him. Right, exactly. Yeah, I'm not... Like you said, we didn't know it at the time, unless you stuck around for the credits, which I did not. I didn't know they were Nazis. But Because there's there's nothing that establishes them as being such. I mean, maybe because they're bald? (laughs) They are bald, but they could just have a condition where they (laughs) bald early. But also, that's not a great thing, because I'm a very sweaty person, so during the summer, I'll shave my head. But then I don't want people to think I'm a skinhead, so I'll wear a hat. And I don't like hats, so the summer just sucks for me. (laughs) You would not do well in Santa Carla. No, 
Oh, fuck no. I can't even survive fixing a lawnmower, let alone, like, on the beach. Fuck that. <laughs> what do you, they all attack these people. Michael doesn't join in. Um, I thought they would really play with the, he hasn't had, like, human blood. He's really weak for the fight. But they never really play with that. Yeah, you no, would think he would be weaker. Yeah. Although, um, when he gets home, can we just talk about how cool as fuck the granddad is again, where he just sees Michael stumbling in. He's just like, oh, looks like somebody else got lucky tonight, too. Oh, yeah, so yeah. he had fun with the widow. Like, he's like, I brought her a stuffed dog. Her husband's dead. Let's get it on. <laughs> so, was it her dog, is what I want to know. I don't think so, because that would just be mortifying. No. One, how did he get it? I'm saying yes. I'm saying the widow gave him the dog the stuff. And how more intimate can you be than being like, here's my dog that I love so much. Rip all of its guts out and its skin off. <laughs> and make me my dog again. Once you make my dog and rips its guts out, you can get in these guts. He also just put a little bit of his seed inside of the dog as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just a little bit of love. It's the kiss on top. Ew. Um, so the next morning, Sam, Michael, and the Frog Bros all go to the hideout. Stakes aplenty. Um, and they are in there, and they're about to stake Star, and Michael stops them from doing so. He does save Star. They carry her out like covered from the sun and the small child yeah which at first um with the first time i saw this movie i thought the kid was from like the civil war era and he's just been around for like a hundred years or so because he's wearing that jacket but i'm uh, caught in this watching of the movie where his picture is on the milk carton so he's yeah, like he's... a recent take you know right he's uh he's related to star oh he is yeah, that I'm almost I'm almost a hundred percent sure that's uh, her little brother. Because at first, like the first time I watched this movie and I saw him in that jacket, I'm like, okay, he's from like the 1860s. Oh yeah, he looks like a little vic haunted Victorian boy. Yes, very much so. <laughs> but uh, they go there and they stack, they stack, they stake Bill S. Preston. <laughs> Yeah, poor yeah, poor Alex Winter. He didn't get much in this movie to do. Like, did he get a line? He got a few lines, but not as many as I would like. And I wish he would have stuck around more than like the two other vampires I could give a shit about. It's like it's fucking Bill and Ted. Like, come on. Well, like, at the time, there was no Bill and Ted. That would come out two years later. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Me and Maxwell actually argued about this on Geek Positive once because I thought it was the other way around. Like, why yeah. would they give him any lines? But that makes sense. That makes sense now. Uh, it's a little side tangent. I just watched Bill and Ted 3 again, like, last week. That's a fucking fun movie. Oh, I never so saw it. I've only oh, seen really the first good. two. I, that very last scene when they're all playing the song together and everyone comes together, I'm being honest, I shed a little bit of a tear. Where oh, I'm just like, this is love beautiful. It. <laughs> it's great i know what i'm watching uh after this then you i let me know what you think because i think you'll like it um so they do kill uh whatever bill slash alex winter's character's name is and right when he screams and everything because what do you think he's gonna go quietly um the other vampires wake up and david's like you're dead meat you're dead meat yelling at him Oh, yeah, this isn't like Dracula when they stake Bella Lugosi, and he basically goes like, uh. No, they start screaming at the top of their fucking lungs. All of a sudden, they're in a black metal band. Like, yeah. 
that. Right. And then they do establish that, like, the full vampires can't go in the sun at all once you're completely the whole way turned. Because David sticks his hand out into the sun and it burns him and everything. Yeah. When uh, when David first wakes up as well, we learn one other kind of odd thing about the vampire anatomy. Did you see those feet that he was hanging oh, off the ceiling with? I did because I paused the movie to go to the bathroom really quick. And I paused the movie on that picture of his feet. And I was wondering if there's any people out there with like, you know, people have like the foot fetish and whatnot. If oh, you know that there... there is a wiki feet page for David. Oh, yeah. Someone's sitting there vi- like violently jerking off to that one scene being like, this is my ideal foot. Why can I not find this in real life? <laughs> like last week we were talking about like the tentacle people with Slither. Yeah, where they're like, I, the only thing that can make me come so well is like amazing tentacles. The same way with these like weird bat feet. Hey, I don't kink shame. Only way I can come is with an Elvira pin machine shocking my nipples. That it sounds... could be a lot worse. I, it's Elvira and it's pinball. I mean, I'm already, I'm on board. That sounds fucking fun. I love when they run away and like, oh, fuck, the vampires are coming for us. Because I love the scene where the Frog Brothers interrupt the church service to steal holy water. Yeah. Yes, they just run in, are filling whole canteens worth of the holy water. The entire congregation's just staring at them dumbfounded, but also not doing anything to stop them or ask, like, what's going on? Meaning, again, that I'm convinced that everybody in this town just knows about the vampire problem and is just like, oh, this shit again. Brett, I'm going to do your thing to what? reference Friday the 13th. Ooh. It's like all the people who live around Crystal Lake who, like, he just wants to be left alone. Right. Where they're like, they know. They're just like, yeah, we know what you're doing. Like, yeah, the same thing of like, yeah, just don't go in those woods. I also want to know, like, officially like okay in like the old school like hammer or universal like vampire movies it kind of makes sense they're like oh it's holy water whatnot right now like we're in the late 80s i'm guessing there must be something like that physically happens to the water when the priests bless it because what's up with all the christianity like christ and god stuff that's always been a vampire thing though like that's always connected yeah, but in this movie, like old movies, it makes sense. This is the late 80s when it's not that long ago where people started to question things and whatnot. Like yeah. what part of it, is it just the good and evil part, I guess? Or is there something physically that like happens to the water? Like I was sitting there thinking about that for like a couple minutes during this movie. <laughs> I think you're looking entirely too far into it. Oh, very much so. (laughs) My headcanon is going to be the holy water burns because, um, you know, you're baptized with the holy water, but you've rejected your humanity by becoming a vampire. Okay. I like it. I like that. That's what I'm going to try to lean towards because it's the only way I can apply logic to this happening in the 80s. Right. Yeah, that's where I'm at. (laughs) Yeah. They steal the holy water, they're fortifying the house, it's good because mom is at Max's for dinner, and they tell grandpa that the his widow called that he's been hooking up with and wants him to come over at 7, like, did I have a date tonight? I guess so, you better get going! And so they get everyone out of the house, and soon enough, of course, 
all the vampires start showing up. Like the last half hour of this movie is Home Alone Vampire Edition and yes. is glorious for that. It's weird how much that comes up, isn't it, Brett? Like, I don't know how many movies we would talk about where we're like, oh, he Kevin McAllister's him. Well, also, you want to talk about Home Alone, the bathtub scene, right out of Home Alone. Yeah. When the kid's dancing in the bathtub and, like, singing along and he has his hair done up weird, you know, with the soap. That's yeah, a, you're not wrong. That's very fucking Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> uh, so the vampires get in. Uh, so this movie is established that vampires do not need to be invited in, but if you invite them in, all powers against them are rendered useless. Right. But so the vampires just come in on their own, and like we said earlier, they're like, garlic doesn't do anything, but holy water does, because the dog pushes the one into the tub filled with the holy water, and it dies. Oh, which I gotta say, bravo to that dog. I was so glad that this is, because here recently, we've been seem- seeming to hit a lot of movies where the dog dies. And Yeah, we again, have. It's been a bad streak. Right. Yeah, once uh, again, I saw a dog in a horror movie, and I was like, oh my god, don't let this dog die. And the, But the dog's a great hero. Like you said right there, he pushes him into the bathtub of holy water and saves his life. I totally thought the first time I saw this movie back in the day that Nanook was going to be just gored by Michael, and that was going to be how uh, Sam finds out that he's a vampire. Right. I'm thankful yeah. that did not happen. Yeah. That one died. What goes on here? Why does blood explode from all the plumbing after that? Oh, uh, I, well, they say, uh, the Frog Brothers say that, like, every vampire dies differently. Maybe he, like, kicked the drain off, and now he's draining into the plumbing, but he's coming out of all the plumbing. It just looks cool. <laughs> vampires just are full of so much fluid and just their skin just evaporates when they're in holy water and then they shoot out like a pressure geyser it's science it's why the last one just blew up and like just had all that goo that just washed all over the fog brother or frog brothers yeah it's a cool scene though i always like good blood geysers in these yeah it's a little bit of goopy like body horror (laughs) Yeah. There's no reason behind it. You just gotta accept it in these movies. Yeah. Um, I like that Sam has the holy water squirt gun, and he sprays the one, oh. and then fires two arrow stakes. What's the difference between an arrow and a stake? I guess they're kind of the same thing if they're wooden tipped. I guess so, yeah. But I also, that scene where he spritzes the vampire with the holy water with the squirt gun in his face, it reminds me of Eight-Legged Freaks. Where, like, the spider's getting super close to, like, what's-his-name from Scream, and he just, like, spritzes him with, like, the, uh, fucking perfume in his face, and like, the spider goes crazy. Like, that's what, yeah. what that's what it reminded me of. I can't wait till we get to Eight-Legged Freaks. That's gonna be a fun one. That's a fun movie. Yeah. But he uses the squirt gun and the arrows, and then he flies back into the radio, and it sparks and explodes like it never would. But and then Sam goes... Death by stereo. Again, just showing how lame a kid Sam is, but how endearing he is in his lameness. And then, you know what? Like, I gotta hand it to it. The taxidermy thing was actually came into really cool play because Sam and Mike were duking it out, flying through the air and everything. Uh, you and... mean David and Mike? Because I oh, don't yeah, not Sam. remember Sam yes. being... <laughs> no, David Michael. and Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but they're going at it, and... 
they keep like pushing each other through the air at different antlers that are all throughout the house. And eventually David gets staked. And then I love that the main theme for this movie, the whole cry little sister song, randomly has a tiny part play as David's dying. Yeah, but it's once again, it's this weird, sappy, like hair metal type song. Like, oh, you will not speak a word against that song. That is perfection to a T. In this movie, yes, but it's such a like, if this is like the first time you're watching it, you're like, why do they all look like hardcore punks, but they're listening to fucking Cry Little Angel? Cry Little Sister, my friend. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Thou shalt not kill. I love it. It's so fun. It just makes me think of this movie, so I love it. But then. But they think that David's head vampire, but Michael and Star don't change back. Mom and Max come home, and the what should have been the twist that was stopped earlier, Max is the head vampire. And then Grandpa just drives through the house, stabbing Max with a giant yard post, which, again, I guess qualifies as a stake. And he always knew about the vampires. What does he say? Like, the one thing I always hated about this town are all the damn vampires. Yeah, just a throwaway line at the very end. And isn't that about the end? That That is the oh, very yeah, end. Much. Credits roll right then. It, yeah, so it's... this movie, if Granddad did not have the date with the widow, then this movie would have been resolved so much sooner because he just would have known that Max was a vampire the moment he walked in and just killed him right then and there. Right. Yeah, because he was never home with Max any of the times. That's right. That's actually pretty smart that they did that. It's such a weird, weird ending where this is, uh, I don't like the endings where it's just like smash cuts, where it's like they say a line right after like the big climactic scene, they say one or two lines and then it's over. I'm always sitting there being like, wait, what? God damn it. No, like there needs to be at least one more scene to show that everyone's okay. Like show everyone together like it's a 80s movie with like a single mom with her family like what you have to be like jaws with the most <laughs> swimming back to shore happy right after quint got eaten yeah in i mean at fa- least it's in all something. fairness though the little quip at the end made the ending an 80s sitcom ending to me yeah <laughs> yeah like it it really reminded me of where i wanted vampires kiss starring nicholas cage to end (laughs) i wanted the film to just actually end where he's just walking through the streets going i'm a vampire (laughs) fade to credit (laughs) he just has that piece of wood (laughs) is that horror adjacent enough that we can cover that on this show 100 percent Yes. Okay, I already am saying I am going to be special guest on that episode. Vampires are pretty much all fair game, I'd say. Yeah. Well, back in November when we were going to do Nicolas Cage November, a Vampire's Kiss was one of them I was going to suggest, but luckily we scrapped that idea because themed months, they suck. Um, So that's the movie. Uh, Final thoughts, P or Brett? Um, P, you go first. I mean, honestly, this movie is cheesy as hell. Uh, There are a lot of moments that, like, I cannot take seriously that will make me lose my shit laughing. I love this movie, though. I first was introduced to it early high school. I've loved it since. Um, Probably the first time I ever hung out with one of my best friends 
we actually just marath like double featured this and Donnie Darko. So I also just associate with my best friend. So I could see this and Donnie Darko going together. That would be sometimes we ask what would you double feature this movie with? That would be a good one. That's interesting. Oh, it absolutely works. I mean, if you were, you know, the cringy goth kid in high school, it's the perfect pair. And I was the cringy goth kid. See, I wanted to be the cringy goth kid in high school, but I couldn't exactly know what I wanted to be. So one week I was like a punk. Then I was like, oh, I like the Grateful Dead now. And so it was like. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody knows at least one person who makes those rapid style changes. You just happen to be that person. Now I've luckily just settled down into like, I like horror movies and beer and like VHS and that's just what I talk about most of the time now. <laughs> right. What do you think? This is the second time I've ever seen this movie. The first time, of course, you see a movie, you're like, you see it a little bit differently, especially seeing it the second time with the podcast. There's so many parts that are so funny and weird, but there's enough of stuff that keeps you drawn in that makes it a lot of fun. Where I could see this being a movie you watch like at least like once or twice a year and have like a lot of fun with it. Especially if you're like in a little bit of a vampire kick and want something different. Like I would see where this would almost go uh, well with Near Dark, which I just saw for the first time over the weekend. I never saw it. Could also it's... make a good drinking game out of it. No, oh, oh, yeah. it would be dead. Every time they say Michael, you take a shot. <laughs> 114 shots, Brett. 114 shots. I can do it. End of episode stuff. Every week, we count all the deaths in the movie. We add them to our grand total for the count of the dead of every movie that we've seen. Last week, we did... What did we do last week? Uh, Slither. And it left us with a count of the dead of 432. I'll let you both guess. And before I reveal, we'll do something. But, uh, P, you're the guest. What do you... You like to guess the deaths in this movie? I, if my tally was correct and I wasn't like keeping it in notes or anything, but I believe if we count like the two people near the beginning, there were five vampire deaths. So seven total, but I can't say that for, oh wait, no, there, there was also the uh, surf Nazis and I can't remember how many of them there were. That's so the I, kicker. I'm going to go with 12 total deaths. Okay. Brett, would you like to take a guess at the deaths? One count of the dead. Ah, ah, ah. Two count of the dead. Ah, ah, ah. Um, I was saying, Please don't for the whole thing. <laughs> I'm going to say 14. 14. Okay, before I reveal this, what would Tiny Tim sound like if he's saying cry little sister? Oh. <laughs> Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not die. (laughs) Michael. All right. So Brett guessed 14. P guessed 12. We were at 432. And the Lost Boys left us at 444. 12. P got the count of the death correct. 12 kills. Nice. Brought us to 444. It was a total toss-up because I didn't know how many surf Nazis there were. Five of them. 
Yeah, my gut was telling me it was either five or three, and three seemed like way too little. Oh, good, good call. What else we got? Oh well, uh, every week Greg does his count of the dead. Ah ah ah. And I like to do my rating system, but I don't like to do stars for one. Well, for two reasons. Number one, Joe Bob does stars, and Joe Bob is sacred. We love you, Joe Bob. Number two, Cisco and Ebert do stars, and fuck those assholes because they talk bad <laughs> shit about fucking Friday the Thirteenth. I still laugh every time you do it. It's not fake, just because it's hilarious. We're like, fuck these dead guys. No, because I remember the hate that I have for them watching that review they did of Friday the 13th Part 4, which is one of the best of the whole entire series. And they're like, oh, these, this fucking sucks. There's nothing redeeming about this. I'm like, go fuck yourself. I hope there's fucking, like, you're covered in worms right now. Chinese food. Yes. I And I hate them purely because they like the absolute most boring film I've ever watched in my life, My Dinner with Andre. It's one of those movie watcher movies who everybody who's super into cinema always has high praises for it, but it's just two guys talking about nothing for fucking two hours. That seems like the kind of shit they would like. Oh, it absolutely is. It is the most pretentious film I've ever seen. I have tried gutting through it at least four separate occasions every time I fall asleep. I actually use it as a nighttime aid now. <laughs> so every whore, every uh, episode of Throbbing with Horror is dedicated to hating Siskel and Ebert. I am down with that. So I like <laughs> to pick something from the movie and rate it one through ten of that thing. And I don't make I don't pick that thing until this very moment, and I have to improv something from the movie. I'm trying. And I would have to cut out like twelve seconds of dead air right here. Well, yeah. While I think, because I never know what to pick. Um, I I have a nomination. Like Chinese food would be way too easy. Yeah. What do you say, Pete? All right. I I'm going to say let's rate it out of one through ten. Sexy Saxman thrusts. Oh yes, I love that. That's perfect, P. Um, so one thrust is one thrust and he's done. Where it's like, this wasn't even worth it. Like, I had to change my like whole sexuality to be with you, man. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it because you're fucking look at you. So it's I a did one it, thrust bust. And he thrust one time. And it, and then he's done. And I was like, okay, what do I do with myself now? You clean yourself up and leave Sexy Sax Man's got at least 20 more people to please in the next hour. Yes. <laughs> uh, 10 Sexy Sax, Sax Man thrusts is, that is the greatest night of my entire life. Like, I cannot imagine, like, you could put anything in front of me and I'll be like, no, I want one more thrust from this man. <laughs> I'm going to give this movie seven thrusts out of ten. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, there's so many parts that are goofy, but they don't overwhelm the parts that are serious and you're like, oh shit with, you know. All right. Uh, P, your guest, I'll let you go last, but. All right. Brett, I don't do this often. Ten thrusts from me. I fucking wow. love this movie. I, I think this movie is fantastic and I love it. It just. It's everything like a young, angsty, semi-goth kid would want, and I loved it, and I still do. You're fucking busting all over the place. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's ten thrusts. Yeah. 
as somebody who got a new turntable today and the first album they used to break it in was a Susie and the Banshees bootleg, I don't think you even have to ask me what I give it. It's obviously 10 thrusts. Oh! Wow. Holy shit, I feel so bad I didn't rate this a 10 because then it could go in the Throbbing with Horror Museum. Like, Yeah, P, we have the Throbbing with Horror Hall of Fame. No offense, I wish we were Brett because anything me and Brett both rate a 10 goes into the Hall of Fame. And there's so far the only movies in there are Halloween and Evil Dead 2, I think. Ah, oh, we were so close to having Sexy Sax Man thrust his way into the Hall of oh. Fame. But yeah, it's it's a 10 for me as well. I love it. Oh, totally. It's easily one of my favorite films of all time. Uh, Not just for the memories associated with it, but genuinely because it is just a great film the whole ride through. Well, also, you guys have seemed to have like a long history with this movie. I just watched it for the first time like two years ago. That's a fair point. Now... I gotta say, I feel like anytime we have a guest on, Brett, they're going to rate it 10 because it's a movie they really wanted to come on for, I realized. Yeah, very true, where they're like, oh yeah, I want to be on for that movie, and they're like, fuck that movie, I rated a 3. Yeah, that's never happened. I did not give uh, Blood Harvest a 10, so... Well, that was before the rating system. That was back when, like, Greg wasn't, like, uh, I was like, Greg, do you want to be on the show, like every week and he was like maybe like we'll have to see and i was like okay let's talk about tiny tim (laughs) (laughs) all right so should we reveal the next week yes what's what uh what's next week greg (laughs) uh we were gonna do a movie that neither of us owned physically and it wasn't streaming and if it's a movie we really want to do we'll show out the amazon rent price but if not we'll pick something else and i'm kind of thankful that happened because i texted you i'm like i feel like since we're not doing that movie I want something either really creepy or really brutal, and you delivered on one end, so I'm very happy about well, it. Well, because wasn't it Wrong Turn? It was going to be Wrong Turn, yes. Yeah, which I like, if you listen to the podcast, you know I'm I'm from West Virginia, and I fucking hate West Virginia with a passion, so I'm fine with skipping with this movie, because it all reminds me of the people I was surrounded by, literally. <laughs> but that's not what we're doing. We're doing Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Yeah, it was really funny. Greg texted me. He was like, yeah, Wrong Turn's not streaming anywhere. Do you want to do something else? And I was like, sure. And he was like, I want something like fucking brutal. First thing that came to my mind was Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer with Michael Rooker. Because it's like, it feels like you're not supposed to be watching this movie. 100%. So that'll be a fun one. You guys know the drill. Follow us on all the socials. Please give us a five-star rating. It's not just for our egos. It really helps more people find the show, and we'll keep doing it longer. We're going to do it no matter what, but we'd appreciate it. Uh, P, anything you'd like to share, like where people can follow you, find you, anything like that? I have not been doing too much. I have been uh, working on music again. So um, it's been 10 years since I've released uh, my single as Captain Pripyat, if anybody remembers that. I do. I booked you. And in October, I am going to release an EP under that moniker again. Oh, fuck you, man. So check that out out on Bandcamp. Um, I I believe that it's just captainpripyat.bandcamp.com and you can hear the 10-year-old single now. And then once the uh, EP comes out, that'll be available too. And I'm probably just going to set it as free to download, to be honest. Awesome, I'll definitely listen to it. Well, you know I'm going to listen anyway, but yes. And that's 
pretty much it. I, I haven't really been doing too much in way of podcasts, just since I haven't really had a co-host for any of the ideas that I've been tossing around. I said I'd do that D&D one with you if you want to, but we'll get to that oh, when yeah. we get to that. We will need at least five people for that, including myself. Yeah. See, that's my issue. Is like I would love to do something like D and D, but I don't have the attention span, and I'm terrible at games. Well, if you're decent enough at improv, I mean, that's well, yeah, I can improv the shit. If if I can sing and do my characters, oh yeah, just make your character a total shit post. Okay. Uh, so so if anybody is curious as to what this idea I'm talking about is. Uh, one of the plans I have going is because of the popularity of Loki and showing like the whole multiverse hopping in Marvel, I wanted to do a D&D campaign set in the Exiles universe Ooh. of Marvel, which basically is where you have a group of, say, five versions of heroes that we know plucked from different realities, having to hop through time to create to correct things for you know making sure the timeline doesn't just implode it's similar to the tva but not you i'm down i can't wait for it so when I'm, that drops make sure you guys check it out yeah <laughs> all right brett that's all i got you got anything no that's all i got um we hope you guys uh enjoyed this uh episode we'll see you next week for a uh, henry portrait of a serial killer i hope lost boys has fucking made your brain throb because it wouldn't stop saying michael over and over again <laughs>